Nobody ever got uh, to the elite levels of curling without picking up a broom. Without first. being really strong with a broom. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Coaches on Couches. Bing Slouches. Well, today we're going to talk about uh, skills. Skills? Skills pay the bills, like baby. Skill saw? Not a skill saw. Not a skill saw. Now, there, look, there's all these like little uh, intricate skills involved in just about any sport. And it's like really commonplace among like field sports, team sports, that stuff. Like you, if you're a basketball player, you work on shooting baskets a lot. It's a skill. Mm -hmm. If you, you know, if you're a, a lineman, like you're like the way you, uh, you know, come off the line and punch and, and move, you know, it's, it's not all fitness. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. Yep. Uh, there are a lot of things. So within our, our five pillars coaching system that we will talk about in a second, um, one of the pillars is technique and sport specific skills, because those things are like everyone focuses on fitness pretty much. Yeah. Training plan. Right. Yeah. And, but there's a whole, a whole ton of other things that you can work on and improve that also move the needle. Mm -hmm. And so today we're bringing skills to the forefront. I like it. All right. So much to it. Let's do it. We're going to do our best to keep this under what, seven and a half hours? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm Coach Dale Sanford. I am Coach Bryant Funston. We are the co-founders of BPC Performance Coaching, where we specialize in helping time-crunched athletes optimize their busy schedules so they can maximize their athletic performance. Every BPC coach is trained in our five pillars coaching system that has been developed over the last, wait for it, 12, 12 years, because it's May. Uh, through our work with uh, athletes of all ages and ability levels from fresh off the couch to world championship competitors. You can find out more about BPC by going to buildpeakcompete.com, checking out Facebook and YouTube at buildpeakcompete, or all up on the Instagram at BPC Performance. There you go. Phone. Had to change that in your down. script. I did. Change it to 12. I, did. I actually put it in there right before we started. Uh, this is totally off topic, but um, <laughs> uh, I feel like we, it's, we're due for another like funny video. I know. It's been so long. I know. For those of you who are like... I mean, who, the leg shaving one may have been one of our last it was. funny ones. And that was back when I broke my, my hip socket. <laughs> it's been a hot minute since that. We uh, we used to have a lot of time to <laughs> to, to like plan before. out uh, plan out these uh, funny videos that we thought were funny. Yeah. Uh, anyways, we, we think we're really. We funny. actually don't care if you think they're funny, but <laughs> we thought they were hilarious. So we have we have this whole list of ideas of all these funny videos that we want to do. Uh, surprise so, feed zone. Yeah, the surprise feed zone is. If you're interested one. in the surprise feed zone. Feed zone. Let us know, Let us especially know. if you own one of those like Borat bikinis. <laughs> two, unless you, two, yeah. unless you own two. No, I'm not borrowing it. No. <laughs> I'm not asking to borrow one. No. <laughs> All right, skills. All right, moving on. All right, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna kind of, you know, basically the three, 
the three main sports that we work with, cycling, running, and triathlon, we're going to kind of break each sport down and kind of bring the major skills that you should be working on to the forefront mm-hmm. um, so that, you know, it's really more of a the more you know type of thing today. Yeah. So uh, we want to cover those. We'll give a few tips on the whys and, and hows, but um, we just want you to understand that there's a lot of things out there that are going to make you a better athlete that don't involve your training plan. Yep. I mean, it's... Oh, exactly. There's there's so much of this. And I was actually just having a conversation um, on a group ride that we did uh, with people who, if you're not familiar with how to ride in a group, you mm-hmm. can have a really big engine. You can have done all the training you want, uh, but if you don't know how to ride efficiently in a group, yep. you're not going to overpower a, a fast group. And you may get spit out uh, the back just because of that. So, so let's just di- let's dive into it. Let's start with cycling. Cycling. Yeah. Bam. Since it's our yep our forte here. It is. Um, yeah. I mean, pack pack riding in general, pack mm-hmm. riding skills, um, like moving around in a pack. Yeah. For those that want to race. Yeah. Especially anyone that's racing, um, moving in a pack. I, I did Joe Martin one year, big field, 100 plus people. And I swear it took me an hour to get to the front of the race mm-hmm. just because I wasn't as confident as I should be in navigating through a pack. Um, but that's a skill in itself. So, so like some tips there, um, keep your elbows out. You know, when you're in a group, aerodynamics is not going to make a, a, a big difference. You're in a group, you're in a draft. Um, keeping your elbows out. So first point of contact, if you do bump someone, that's where most people start getting freaked out is going to be on your arm and not in your handlebars. It can cause yep. you to swerve all over the place. Um, and another big one for me was uh, when I finally, I, I'd gotten so used to like drafting, which we'll talk about drafting here in a second, but being right behind someone. And yep. so in a pack, I was trying to do the same thing. And I was always so nervous about overlapping wheels anytime those you know pace fluctuations would happen that I ended up having people who'd always like sort of take the spot that I felt like I yeah. should be in. Um, and, and what you want to do is essentially stagger the two wheels in front of you. So you're going to have people in front of you. If you place your wheel in between those two, now if there's a swerve, they're going to hit each other. They can't clip your wheel. Um, if there's a slowdown, you're well, not going to, well, they <laughs> could, yes, but it's, uh. it's less likely. Uh, <laughs> But if there's a slowdown, you now have a buffer. That tire is not coming straight into your front wheel. Yeah. And instead, you've got a buffer. Your, your tire can go in between as you react and slow down. So always going to be risk. But um, just those two, two things there, I have found, make a big difference in yeah. being able to be confident in a pack, but also uh, fill gaps in a pack. I think the, uh, like one of the big skills that I've learned over the years about pack pack riding is knowing who to be behind and who not to be behind yep and so you know you know like you know generally speaking if you do group rides and races and stuff you tend to learn who the strong people are uh and you can kind of pick some people out that like okay if there's a gap forming and so and so's in front of you don't sweat it because they're going to close it Mm-hmm. Like they'll do the, they'll do the work for you. Mm-hmm. Like, so you just kind of learn the people and you learn who, who to be behind and who not to be behind. It's a skill. Like it's just, you, it takes a little time. It takes a little practice. You like all of these things 
are impossible to practice unless you're racing mm-hmm. or riding. Unless you're out there you know, doing it. Yeah. Group ride. You got to be out there doing it. And then be active about actually doing that when you're on a ride. Like I'm going to focus on this. Like I'm going to put myself in that position. Yeah. Um, another time moving up in a pack, uh, especially in a race situation before corners. So right before yeah. turns, the pack tends to you know swing wide, whichever side of the road it may be on, um, and starts to line up a little bit more as people set up for the turn. That's a great time to be able to move up, move up some places. Yeah. Um, it, like I've you know going back to like um, positioning yourself, it's always you know I I've always found it it's way you know it's it's always way easier to kind of stay in the group if you're like in the first like 10 wheels versus like the back 10 wheels. Cause mm-hmm. if any flu- any of those pace fluctuations happen, it like amplifies on its way back. And that's where you kind of get in that yo-yo, uh, that yo-yo effect. So if you're not like the strongest person at like the spike and recover type efforts, mm-hmm. you're going to do yourself, you're, you're going to do yourself a disservice by being on the back of the group. So, yes. you know, it's one thing if you're in a really, really strong, smooth, you know, pro one, two group, uh, you know, you can kind of float the, the further back, you know, parts of the race, but in a most group rides and, and mm. smaller races and stuff like that, hillier races, yeah, you're going to be so much better off being closer to the front than closer to the back. Yeah. So that's essentially our, our second major point positioning at, at key times. Yeah. I like to say, um, if you know, a hill's coming up, you want to be near the front. If you know, there's a time where a breakaway is likely to, to form. You want to be near the front. If you're getting to a twisty part of the course, all of those things are going to cause that pack to compress, that accordion effect to happen. And the further up you are, the better off you're going to be. If you're on the back, you're going to be feeling like the race, like the pace is impossible and wondering how the heck they're going so hard at the front and and fast. Um, When really you're probably working harder. You're, You're having to slow up more. You're having greater speed differentials you're having to sprint for longer to get back into the group and then you're probably grabbing brakes again right as the next little hill hits or the next corner hits and now you're losing all that speed you just worked so hard to build and you're repeating that so um the the more technical of courses right away i know uh especially like crit racing i know the more the more turns the more technical put yourself at the front and it's a skill to say there yeah i mean that's like looking at we look at power files and race files and stuff like that all the time. And there, it, it happens all the time that we, we have an athlete that has, has the physical ability mm-hmm. to like stay in a race, you know, be at the front of a race and, um, you know, even possibly podium or win a race with the fitness they have in the category they're in or whatever. Yep. Um, they just don't have the skill yet to to position themselves in the right spot and mm-hmm. so they end up having to work harder than everyone else and then they end up inevitably either popping late in the race or making some dumb decisions and you know you overwork and then you're you're toast you're, yep. you got no fitness for the end yep and let's uh, be honest if you're if you're at the back of the pack when a breakaway goes see you <laughs> it's race over just because yeah. of you know where you were at yeah. um which i think is a good time to segue into our next one. So drafting essentials, uh, you know, learning how to draft and how uh, to stay in a draft um, is a key thing that I don't think a lot of people 
necessarily get all the time. And even more than that, or along with that, I guess, is you constantly have to be thinking about the course and the wind direction. Mm -hmm. And knowing a right turn's coming up, we've been in a headwind, it's now going to be a crosswind, like putting yourself on the proper side of the group, um, knowing when to move to one side versus the other of a person, knowing who to be behind, kind of goes back to one of your first points you made. Don't be behind the tiniest person in the group. Find the biggest, the smoothest person out there. Uh, obviously, you want them strong. Um, and, and put yourself behind that person. Uh, don't be afraid to move, you know, use that moving in a pack to get behind the best person to be behind. If you're, if you're able to save 5%, that's extra power you're going to have later on when it matters. Absolutely. So um, That's what learn- racing is, right? A bike racing. That's what bike racing is, is is essentially making the race as easy as possible on you mm-hmm. until the moment where you feel it's the winning moment, yep. whether that's at the end or, you know, whatever in the middle or, mm-hmm. or from the gun, uh, <laughs> you, you have to, you know, you're, you're trying to make it easy so that you have the juice in the legs to, to do a winning move when it needs to happen. Yep. Uh, so if you're positioning yourself poorly, like not moving around the pack efficiently, uh, not not getting in the draft when there's a wind coming across your face mm-hmm. and you're just eating it and wondering why this race is so hard, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're going to end up not having the legs. Yeah, at any point in time during, like in a race, at any point in time, I know which direction the wind's coming from. Like, you should always know. If someone were to say, hey, yeah. w- which way is the wind coming from? You should be able to say it and you should be on the downwind side of that. You should be putting yourself on the downwind side of it. Mm. Um, even if the pace isn't hard, and I think that's a mistake so many people make, is they're like, oh, well, you know, I was only riding at my endurance power. Yeah, but you're putting out more work than you needed to. Like, you could be saving that, you could be banking that, and it's yeah. gonna be extra you can use down the road. We don't have an unlimited amount of energy we're gonna have over the course of a race. So your goal is to save as much as you can yeah. until it matters. All right, we could keep beating on that uh, yeah, one for a I mean, long time. I mean, yeah, I think it's, I think it's funny when people, uh, you know, they do a race, the file comes in, and they're like, but I hit a new, like, best hour power. And I'm like, you should not have. Yeah, we like, don't want that. We do not want <laughs> Unless that. Unless you're off the front solo right, for an hour. <laughs> right, I was, yeah, that's, that would be my next question. Like, were you soloing for the win? Yeah. Or what? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, or time trial, or, you know, that's one thing, but... <laughs> If you're hitting your best hour power and you're finishing mid-pack, you're wasting a lot of juice. Oh yeah, for sure. No, I had like speaking of file, I had a, I was in the same race as an athlete of mine, and there was one spot on the course. It was a crit race, so it was happening every two minutes or so. That he was getting caught trying to move up in the wind, and I was staying in a draft on the downwind side. And there's times where I was looking at his video where we're like moving same speed. He's, he's in the wind. I'm in the draft, uh, in this big crosswind section, he's pushing like 500 Watts and I'm pushing like 300 Watts. Yeah. Massive, massive difference. That's a big match. You know, 500 Watts is a match for pretty much every person out there. Yeah. Um, you know, minus the, the super high end folks. Um, whereas 300, yeah, it's a lot of power, but it's much more yeah. in the realm of you can repeat that for, right. for a lot of folks. So, and that was just 
a drafting thing. Like he should have been drafting. He was his movement in a pack was poor. His positioning in a pack was poor. Like all of these things caused him to get popped when he could have been doing the effort I was and been fine. Like he could handle the numbers that I was doing. Yeah. Um, I was just putting myself in a better position. So that that's something we worked on in the next race. He stayed with the whole time. Like yeah. he was able to help animate and help do stuff later on um, because of that. So it's huge. It's massive. Yeah. All right, we beat that horse. We did. All right, so this this kind of moves into, I think this is a good time to move into pace line efficiency. So a lot of times, you know, group rides will start going into pace lines. If you're not familiar with what that is, um, it's a way you kind of rotate and share share the workload in a, in a group. But it happens a lot um, in races if you, if you find yourself in a breakaway or possibly chasing a breakaway. Um, and being efficient in a pace line is huge. Uh, so kind of my keys there kind of goes back to drafting essentials. You want to make sure you're behind. I always make sure I'm behind the biggest, the smoothest, and ideally the uh, slowest. Yeah, you want to be, yeah. You don't want to be behind the person who's feeling the best because you know they're going to be pulling through too hard, which yeah. is going to cause you to have to surge. You don't want that person to be behind you because they're going to be pulling through too hard. You're going to have to surge to get back on the wheel. Yeah. Um, but if you can find someone who's going to provide a good draft. If you get two weak sauces, get between <laughs> them. Sandwich yourself. Smooth weak sauces? We yes. call this a sauce sandwich. Yeah. A weak <laughs> sauce sandwich. <laughs> uh, but you'll, you'll be, it, it's amazing the difference that decreasing your amount of time that you spend yeah. in the wind because you're able to get around that person quicker and the fact that you're getting a good draft, but also the fact that they're kind of pulling through slow allows you to come around them a little faster. It's like all those things helps you decrease your workload in the group relative to what everyone else is. And that's what you need to be thinking about. Like how can I be doing the least amount of work or equal to the person doing the least um, while still helping this, you know, this group succeed if you feel like you have a chance to win from it. So um, those are kind of my keys. Did I miss anything? No. Oh, that's, that's pretty good. How about number pinning? This is a <laughs> this one's huge. This is probably why Throw a lot of people don't there. race bikes. Yeah. <laughs> that is I a mean, skill. It's kind of a skill. It is a skill. First off, don't put it upside down. Nope, that's a it's a rookie move. That's a rookie move. Uh, also, don't turn it into a parachute. Yep. Some races don't like that. Although I've never seen an official say that it's not allowed. But crumbling your race number. So that it's not like the hard flappy kind of. I've had maybe a couple say that they don't that to not to do it. Don't do it and next then time. And I did it anyway. <laughs> uh, you can't fold your numbers under, uh, at least in the USA yeah, you, Cycling you stuff. You make can't them smaller. You can't make them smaller. Uh, pro tip: so long as you don't care about stickiness on your kits, the 3M spray. Don't go with the super strong. Don't go with the is super it, strong. What is it? Forty-five. Something, it's Something like, like that. It's a lower strength one. If you get too strong, you'll have that stuff on your skin, Funny on story. the jersey. <laughs> Funny story. Uh, one of our good buddies, <laughs> we went and raced in Chattanooga, first time using the spray, yeah. and he had on like the summer jersey. Mm. It was a cold race too, but that's all he had. So it was very thin in spots, mm-hmm. and his number, we, we loaded it up with the strong spray, and it it stuck to his skin. He went to take his jersey off and he couldn't get it off his skin because it had soaked <laughs> through. Uh, so be careful with that. Don't overapply. Yeah. But that just helps. It actually helps. If you're solo uh, by yourself, it kind of it can kind of make it easier because you can 
stick it on yeah. you and then take your jersey off and then pin it if you're really trying to get a good tight yeah um pin job there how many how many pins do you usually use oh man is that a the debate well, each corner and then i like one in the middle of each so i'll I'm like an one eight pinner yeah i'm usually eight and then if it's if i can't if i just can't get the it right without mm-hmm. using the spray i'll put a dead center pin right in the middle of the whoa yeah bold yeah you got to keep it from flat the, the dead center yeah so dale's a nine pinner i, I could sometimes <laughs> weight weenies across the world I, are uh yeah. cursing you right now <laughs> uh never pinning so there we go all right what else we got Attacking, or I say attacking, sprinting, accelerating in general, mm-hmm. um, there is a timing element to all of it, which is a huge skill. That is definitely a skill. Um, but also, like, well, we're we're now we're borderline we're borderlining technique here, yeah. Because there is uh, there's obviously technique involved in attacking, sprinting, accelerating, um, but the skill of it is very much the timing. Very much so. Yep. And positioning. You know, it kind yeah. of goes back to positioning yeah, as well. Yeah. If you're that guy who attacks from the front, don't do it. Poor idea. Don't do it. <laughs> and if you're going to attack from the front, it's not attack. Yeah, it's not. The skill there is the slow roll. Yeah, the slow roll. Where you pretend yeah. like you're not doing anything and just slowly try to motor away. Yeah. Um, yeah on, if you're, anytime you get out of the saddle, it makes people freak out. Like, mm-hmm. And everyone's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Mm-hmm. But if you do like the unassuming... Low cadence, slow roll, the low like, cadence slow, slow roll. Like maybe they'll just let me roll away for yeah. a little while. I've actually had that work before. Uh, yeah, me too. It doesn't work very often, but uh, so our keys, or, or at least my key here for um, when you're attacking, you know, it's not the sprint finish. So let's separate these two. But if you're trying to get away, get into a breakaway, um, you want to decrease the surge you need. You want it to be as minimal as possible. So that's where timing comes in. Mm. So I always like to attack after the pace has been high. So if I'm sitting there in the group being very efficient behind the big person, drafting well, and I feel it's been hard for a long period of time, as soon as I feel it ease off and the front group is, or the front of the group is slowing down, that's when I just maintain or possibly surge, keep your speed, and you essentially kind of slingshot around the front group. Um, it, it allows you to not have to hit that big sprint power that's going to impact your ability to then sustain power because you got to be thinking about both. Yep. Um, so if you uh, can keep that peak wattage lower, you're going to have more success sustaining afterwards. Um, and, and what you always want to be thinking about is speed differential between the people at the front and you. So you need to, to have a successful attack. The skill here is carrying a lot of speed past the front of the group because you want them to go, oh crap, that guy's moving. I'm not chasing like, it. I'm not chasing. <laughs> you want them to be looking back yeah. and going, who's going to chase that? Yeah. So what you like, you're trying to like, again, you're trying, you're trying not to have to get out of the saddle to get a gap. Mm-hmm. And so like I do the same thing most of the time. And it's usually from, a, I'll start about 10 wheels back yep. and then gain some momentum up to about three and then I'll then just put it quick base like the old Cancellara seated yeah. seated sprint like uh, to get the old slingshot. Yep. Occasionally, you know, you you if you want to like hurt some feelings, you get out of the saddle and you put in about five pedal strokes pretty hard and then sit down, uh, and you'll get a big gap, you know, pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've also probably 
take, taking a little match, maybe yep. not full match, but a little match to, to put in that peak effort there. So again, it's all about making, making your efforts as easy as possible on yourself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, finding a ways to get cheap gaps. Um, I mean, I'm that jerk that attacks into a turn. That's what I was just about I mean, to say. The second thing I always do yeah. is I look to, to allow a corner, me carry more speed through a corner yeah. than what the group's going to do. And then you're building a gap while you're not pedaling. And what's better than that? Our, our, the, the, the name that comes to mind is our buddy, Alan Rothrock. Yeah. When, when he was racing crits with us, I mean, that dude had no, uh, <laughs> no sense for self when he went into a corner yeah. when he was trying to get a gap. And, but and he wouldn't necessarily attack it. He would just put this big surge past the group into the corner and then he cornered so well mm-hmm. that he got a, a nice big gap without having to really put a big dig in yep which goes into our next point cornering which, cornering yep i was gonna say <laughs> next one cornering i mean it is it's probably one of like if you're gonna if you're gonna go and spend time practicing a skill as a bike racer practice cornering mm-hmm like of all above and beyond, because it's going to make all the other things easier, the positioning, the the attacking and, and all that stuff. It's gonna make that easier on you. Uh if you're confident cornering, you can take good lines and not uh you know, basically if you take a bad line, you're creating more resistance on the tires, and so you're gonna slow up a lot more than everyone else. Uh, you know, you can kind of, so if you're kind of that person who's in a in a group and you constantly see that every time we come around a somewhat of a bend that you're getting gapped off, you need to work on cornering. Like Absolutely. Yeah, if you can turn an area where you, we just talked about, if you can actually attack in a corner without pedaling. So if you're on the opposite end of that, if you're so bad at cornering that you're causing gaps, you're allowing gaps to open, you're allowing the group to essentially attack you, which means now you have to respond to the gap you've opened. We call it reverse attacking. So if you're great at reverse attacking, you now have to sprint to get back up to the group. And each time you do that, that's a surge. That's a match. That's something that has no impact on you animating the race. It's just you making things harder on yourself. So you you gotta get good at corner. And it happens in every corner. Every... If you're going to race crits, if, you better corner. If well. you're going to race road races, you better learn to corner because yeah. if you're having to literally put out a sprint style effort to stay on a group at mm. every turn, you're not going to have the legs to go when nope. it really matters. Nope. Like, and those were not, those were just because you made it harder on yourself. Well, and then you're going to question your fitness. You're going to question right. your training plan. You're going to question all yeah. those things when really it's, it's a skill that you're just not good at and you need to improve it. Absolutely. Which goes into our next one, descending. Cornering, descending, usually descents have corners. I'm not gonna lie, which I, is why it's a skill. I could probably use a little work on descending. We mm-hmm. just don't get to do it much. Mm-hmm. So like, anytime we get out on a an actual climb, like if we could go up and down it maybe five or six times, I'd get pretty comfortable yeah. doing it. But we just don't get to enough, and that's just part Memphis of it. Memphis like, doesn't have good descents. No. <laughs> Fun fact: Fun Memphis fact. is not. It's not the not mecca no, not known for descent for training. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it is it is definitely a skill, and you build, co- like, you know, with any skill, 
you get better at it, you build confidence, you test yourself a little bit more, you build confidence. Ask Richie Port whether or not descending is a skill. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at the look at the the guys in the uh, the pro peloton who are the best at it. They can they they win a race because of their descending no. skill. They'll attack at they the very leave top. The, they leave the group, yep. and everyone's trying to stay with them, but they can't because these people are so skilled at descending. One second every corner. Yeah. Yep. I mean, yeah, and that's the kind of time gaps you can you can get if you're really good at it. You, mm -hmm. you know, you just soak up time every every corner. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it's uh, you know, you know, can't do super tuck anymore. No super tucking. But unless you're in the race lead, if you're the overall race leader, I think they'll uh, showing they turn a blind eye. Is that true? That's a side story. Anyway, okay. <laughs> yeah. So descending, huge. It's a huge skill. Uh, it's probably the most nerve-wracking one of all the skills. Mm -hmm. uh, if you no, want to see some pretty crazy stuff, check out uh, Brian Safa. <laughs> if you look him up on uh, the old uh, Instagram and YouTube, pretty uh, intense descending videos. Whatever you do, just don't think about your tire popping. Yeah, <laughs> that's not going to help. Just put that out scale. of your brain. Yeah. What, don't. Yeah, you can't. Don't think... Google Jens Voigt downhill wreck. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't Google any downhill wrecks, yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. moving on. This is getting long. Yeah, so last one that actually does make a difference, and we could do an entire podcast on it, and we might, is pack manipulation. This is where the Oscars this meet. This is on the, I was going to say, this is the other side of the library from yeah. how to win friends and influence. This is the influence people part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is where you, you uh, put on your acting skills mm -hmm. and... Um, you know, it's basically the skill of getting other people to do what you want them to do <laughs> in the group in, in hopes that they are going to do more work than you yes. or do the work for you and make it easier on yourself. Yep. So examples would be when a gap opens, you get behind, you some, you're behind somebody and you're like, get it, get it, get it, get it. And you, you basically try to pump them up. Close and, it, close it. Yeah, yeah. And you get their brain working. Mm -hmm. You get that, uh, you know, that fight or flight response going and they'll close that gap for you. Or they'll get it very close. Oh yeah. Or they'll get close enough where you didn't have to do the majority of the work. Then just say thanks as you drop them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then there's, there's things like you get in a group with really strong people and you're like, Hey guys, I'm just happy to be here. Mm -hmm. Like, or I don't speak English. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or like I'm cramping. You get the old, I'm cramping, <laughs> but you're not really cramping. <laughs> I mean, or start breathing hard. Like you yeah. can just breathe really hard and yeah, people poker will face, assume. Man. Or, uh, you know, if you want to skip a pool, go, go pretend like you're fussing around with, uh, getting food open. Yeah. I mean, there's all, it's, it's a huge, it is such a skill and mm -hmm. it, look, it's, it, it can play so heavily on how much you actually like how much work you have to actually do in a race. Mm -hmm. And it's all about making it as easy on yourself as possible. And if you can convince other people to do the work for you in your place. The, uh, uh, Michael Poole put this well, and it was eat off everyone else's plate before you eat off yours. Yeah, exactly. So get them to do as much, yep. burn up all their energy without you having to. One, one thing I love to do is... Uh, when I'm in a group, are we giving away too many secrets here? I think we might be. This is bad for this the, is one of my favorite Tuesday Night Hammer Fest. This could be. This is my favorite. It's 
when I'm in the in the pack, uh, I'm looking like, hey, the people in front of me, would that be a favorable breakaway? And if so, before the next corner, I'll just sit up and let that group roll away. So now mm-hmm. they've gotten a gap without doing anything. And now it's a matter of, okay, either the people behind are going to have to burn a match to get up there, yeah. um, or the break's going to be established and they're going to have to work a lot harder later on. But just learn, knowing when to sit up and open a gap can be yeah. a way to manipulate others into burning matches that you don't have to. Yeah, that's that's definitely falls into pack ninja. Ninja move. Yeah. That's black belt. That's a black belt in uh, in pack ninja. Yeah. All right, so we've kind of, we've pretty much covered a lot in, yes. in cycling. Yeah, I we're told gonna, Dale that uh, that could probably be just its own podcast. How yeah, long are we in? We probably could end it. How we're long are we in? 30, <laughs> 30 minutes in. Should we come back with the other three later? <laughs> I think we're committed now. We're committed? All right. All right feel free to pause and uh, hit this tomorrow yeah. <laughs> on your We'll have commute. to put it in the notes of, okay, triathlon starts 30 minutes later. Yeah. All right, so the, we're going to... The other two are quicker, I feel like. They're a little bit quicker. Uh, it's one thing when there's like... Like when you're in a and you're in a sport that's you versus you know like you're on your own. There's yeah. no. It's more of like a time trial style thing. Yeah. Whereas with cycling, there's so many more strategic parts to it. Yeah. Um, but in triathlon, like there are several several things that are big, big, big time time sucks if you're bad at them. Uh, the number one, and we have an entire podcast. There's on a this. reason we put it number one today. Yeah transitions mm-hmm. if you are awful at transitions you are giving up time it is a skill Lots it of takes time. time to to work on like the order of how you set it up like things the order of the things you put on how you set things out so that it's less time to get it on uh what you do and don't have to put on before you get out of transition all those things uh can easily be minutes mm-hmm and just it, having the right mental state of mind going into a transition. Like, right. I'm going to use this as an opportunity to gain time, not lose time. Yeah. Like, being aware of it. Uh, you know, and it and falls in, like, mounting and dismounting the bike. Mm-hmm. All, all these things are, are skills that are involved, that are centered around the transitions. And, I mean, I've done countless transition clinics over the years and have seen people take minute, 90 seconds mm-hmm. uh, off of each transition. And that's three minutes in a race. And that could be a sprint race. Yeah. You know, oh, exactly. Like yeah. three minutes is a big, that's a, that's several placings like most of the time. So transitions, if you have never worked on them, take the time mm-hmm. uh, to work on them. And like, honestly, my, my goal when I do a transition clinic is um, to have you spend no more than 15 seconds at your bike at T1 and no more than 10 seconds at your bike at T2. Now so this is going to be for short course. It, when there's a standard transition, okay. standard transition. Yeah. Standard transition. Like obviously if, if it's like an Ironman or something like that, where you have the bags and all the yeah. tents and stuff yeah, like that, yeah. it's a different whole, whole animal. But when you have your own setup, yeah. like, and you get to your bike and your stuff's there, you're like, uh, so it's like, find your fresh pair of socks. <laughs> yeah remove your previous pair of socks on put your socks on yeah find your gloves elbow pads knee pads, <laughs> elbow pads. Get them on. <laughs> yeah so transitions are huge um something that we kind of left out of we left out of the cycling one but it Just goes into yeah. goes into tri- uh, triathlon is is feeding and that's not necessarily just meaning reaching in your pocket and 
getting your food out, which is somewhat of a skill that there, you need to work on. There are the people that can't pull a bottle out of a cage, mm-hmm. a skill, yep. like work on it. Mm-hmm. That's a huge part of it. Um, but a lot of these races will have like bottle exchanges and feed zones and stuff like that, where, um, your choices are either roll through it and get that bottle or stop and get your stuff. And Which then one you going with? I'm rolling. Roll it. Baby. I'm actually not even stopping, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got all my snacks with me. I, I try, I try to carry as much as possible with me, but, yep. um, but yeah, I mean, you really don't have a lot of options when there's a feed zone, stop or roll through. Mm-hmm. And, and most people, like, if you said, hey, I'm going to hold out a bottle and you're going to roll by at 20 miles an hour and grab it. Do, 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 do. Yeah, like, yeah, first few times, you're yeah. going to, the bottle's going to fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then you're working, uh, it's a whole besides the point, but you're working with volunteers that don't necessarily probably know how to hold a bottle. Yeah. But if you practice it, you know, and you, you do the old, like, like let your arm come back as you make contact like you if you were catching an egg yeah like if someone lobbed yeah. an egg to you that's what you're doing yeah. with your bottle so practicing that is huge i i've i pretty much tell everyone who is doing a long course triathlon practice this yep. unless you're planning on stopping practice the bottle exchange because there's going to be one or two of them out there and mm-hmm. you're probably going to need it uh so practice it yep um, I mean, let's break down. Yeah. Break down the swim stuff. Swim stuff is, is the majority I would say other no. than transitions, the swim, the swim stuff is the majority of the skills because w- w- obviously swimming is huge, is the most technically demanding yep. of the three sports, but, um, there's a lot of skill involved with open water swimming in general. Um, one of which is just getting your wetsuit on and off. Like it takes, it literally takes me almost 20 minutes to get my wetsuit on and like where I want it so that it doesn't feel restrictive. Mm-hmm. It's the right size and all that stuff. But literally, if you don't get that thing up high enough, um, you're basically going to be doing a resistance training workout during your swim. Because you're trying to pull the suit the, to where yeah, it should if, be the whole the time. If the armpit is resistive, every time you reach uh, for the swim, you're going to get resistance, like yeah. a resistance band. Yeah. And then your shoulders are going to blow to bits. I've had it happen. It sucks. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's terrible, but you know, you have to get that wetsuit as high as you can in the crotch. You know, you might be so sing- you put anything on your note. body before you put your wetsuit on. No, I use like plastic bags and gloves to get it on, to okay. slide on a little bit better. Yeah. And you don't, obviously you don't want to grab a wetsuit with your fingernails. You're it's, you'll go right through it. So that some of them come with these gloves. Sometimes some people just use plastic bags to, to like have something over their fingers don't ever grab it with like, try to pinch it with your fingernails. Um, but getting it up as high as you can in the crotch and in the armpits and then up on top of the shoulder, like getting the, the neckline as close as you can to your neck. If the back of your wetsuit is like two and a half feet wide it's and it won't zip on its own, it's not on right. Those things are made to like, when you have it on right, the zipper is usually no more than like five inches apart at the top. So it should you should be able to zip it yourself. So get it higher. Yeah, get it as high as you can. Yep. Uh, you know, getting it off is another story. Yeah, I use like TriSlide. Uh, it's a product. You spray on the arms, the bottoms of the arms and the lower legs so that when you do take it off, it just kind of like slips off. It's kind of a silicone-based like lubricant. Yeah. And you can put around your neck and stuff like that. Um, but practicing getting it on, practicing getting it off. Mm-hmm. Don't you dare go to race day 
and have that be the first time that you put that wetsuit on. It's a horrible idea. Yep. Same, so, with, same with feeding. Don't have it be the first time right. you're trying new food. Right, right, right. Uh, so while you're in the water, sighting is a massive skill because otherwise you're going to swim like a zigzag uh, or you might just swim off course altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, but sighting is a skill, a, 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 a kind of sometimes a difficult skill to get it first um, because of the timing of it. You know, you have to like lift your head up, you're trying to take a stroke and you're trying to get air in at the same time. Um, if you lift your head too high, your feet drop. So you're kind of like playing with, got to play with how high you bring your head. Um, you know, it's a, it is a skill to practice for sure. Um, and it basically determines how much extra you swim. <laughs> so, uh, practice your sighting. You you're, could do if it. If you're a bad pool. swimmer, make sure you're a really good sighter. The way that, the way that I do it in a pool is if the pool, if you have a pool clock on like on either end of the pool, you'll, you'll probably only get maybe like two sights per length. But when you do it, you sight and I try to read the time on the clock and then go back. So that's a, that's kind of a little tip. Or if there's like a sign or something that's on the wall in front of your lane, like go up, try to read part of the sign and then come back down. Um, it's pretty quick, but you'll get better at it. And, and the, the funny thing is, is you want to be able to discern uh, like colors and stuff when you're doing it because there are times where you're going to be in a race and the, the, all of the uh, swim caps are orange and so are the buoys. So it's good to like work on your, your eye, uh, your, your sight ability so that you can determine, is it a buoy? Is it a just a really big-headed, just a big-headed racer. <laughs> yeah, Jack. Did Shaq? Did Shaq just decide to <laughs> start racing triathlons? <laughs> yeah. Why is he so far ahead of me? Uh, so, sighting helps you swim straighter. Mm-hmm. Going around turns, buoy turns. The biggest time suck in the swim is going around a buoy because you're really not making up any distance, and you're in a lot of times. There, it's bunched up. There's, there's a bunch of people there. You might have to go around them. Um, that time that you're taking to turn is time wasted, pretty much. I really like that spin move. Oh, the the like flip on your back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah th- and that that is difficult to get at first. Yep. I mean, so you know, just going around the buoy. Like whenever we teach people to go around buoys at first, you know, it's just the simple thing of like only look into the buoy so you have you want to be able to breathe both sides whole another thing bilateral breathing is a skill um so being able to breathe both sides but when you get to a buoy you literally only want to breathe to that side because it helps you kind of know that you're making the turn but also uh in your stroke you like power the outside arm so it helps you turn faster um if you if you can learn the the old flip-flop uh technique you know that is a it's a huge skill it's a lot faster for a 90 degree turn mm-hmm. um unfortunately a lot of of turns are steeper than 90 degrees yeah. you, you a lot of like race courses are triangles and you end up having to come back on yourself and it's it's harder to do like the do the do flip-flop that but uh yeah it's a whole nother skill but buoy turns practice them as much as you can as often as you can because people get so upset when they do like a uh like a test set in the pool and they're you know what are swimming whatever pace and they get in the open water 
and it's nowhere near mm -hmm. what they've been swimming in the pool because you, you have to factor in time for, even if you're swimming in a wetsuit and you have that advantage, uh, you're, you're losing time by swimming too much because you're not sighting well mm -hmm. and you're losing a ton of time at every turn yep. because you're not very good at turning around buoys. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so huge skill. Uh, you got to learn how to pee on yourself. <laughs> I mean, you throw that in there. Uh, you got like, there's going to be times when you're going to have to go and your choices are stop. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying. This is where you got to think, what would Forrest Gump do? <laughs> Just let it go. I'm not saying like practice this uh, in public. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, you know, you got to be able to do it. Uh -huh. You you pee on the bike? I have never peed on the bike. Have but you thought about it? In my wetsuit? Uh, don't anyone, ever. Don't ever watching buy my live? Used would suits. you? <laughs> anyone watching live? Would you please post? Uh, yeah. Have you peed while on the bike? Yeah. If you've ever peed on yourself on the bike. Um, Post in the, comments. the skill in that is just knowing which bottle to pull from so you don't squirt yourself with Gatorade or with a sports drink versus plain water. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, peeing on yourself. That's a good one. Uh, we're, uh, cornering is another one. Like, on a, like uh, our, our previous course at the, the Memphis and May Triathlon had 22 turns. So, again, people get really upset when they know they're capable of doing tw like 20 miles an hour and they end up riding 18 because they had to slow down for 22 turns. Mm -hmm. So if you know how to corner those and keep your speed up, you're going to be faster overall. It's Definitely. a skill. Definite skill. Uh, Free speed. Yeah. Flat changing for like um, long course triathlon, you know, bike racing, you might have a wheel truck or something like that. You might go to the pits and you know, change a wheel. You got to be able to change a wheel. Um, but in long course, you have to be able to change your own flat. I mean, any triathlon, uh, you have to be able to change your own your own flat tire. Mm -hmm. So, um, do you have a distance that you will take a flat kit versus not? I don't take a flat kit for anything under, under half. A half half iron. Yeah, I'll take one for a half iron, but I generally know that if I flat, it's done. It's yeah. over. Yep. For me, anyways, I'll still finish, but mentally, um, I check out. Yep. But um, for a, a Olympic or shorter, I don't even bring one. Uh, and that it bit me two years ago at nationals. I flatted a mile from transition, uh, and I'm like, "Well, I could walk it in," but I'm, I'm like, "Well, I had another race the next day. I didn't yeah. sprint the next day. I was like, I'll just save the legs, but." Uh, I didn't have anything to change it with. I didn't bring a flat kit. Yeah. I'm a weight weenie when it comes to the short course. Oh, I'm with you. Um, yeah, so changing flat. Um, uh, go, going back to the swim, drafting. Drafting is a huge advantage in the water, but you have to know how to do it. <laughs> yeah, put your face right at the feet. Yeah, get right. just get right where they're like flicking your yeah. nose with their toes. <laughs> yeah. We call it nose to toes. <laughs> yeah. Basically, uh, with drafting, your, be your best bet is to kind of be offset to somebody. Um, because if you ever look at a boat in the water, right? The, wake, the wake. wake goes out into the side. And so if you're kind of just offset to one side, you're going to get a better draft than if you're like in the bubbles of their, where they're actually kicking and <laughs> propelling the water backwards so they can go forward. It's actually one of the worst places to be. So get off people's toes and get over to the side where their their wake is and so that it helps you kind of like 
pull you along. So nose to toes is a no goes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> uh, again, most of these skills are in the swim. Um, dolphin diving is another skill. Like when the water's too deep to run, but really not shallow. It's shallow enough that you're really your swimming. Hands, yeah, you can get grabbing. you can get propulsion off the bottom. Um, and so basically, you know, you can basically do dolphin dive, or it kind of looks like a butterfly stroke, um, where you're pushing off the bottom. And, you know, you can make some good ground that way without spending a lot of energy. Um, also useful for, like, if you're in an ocean swim, useful for getting under waves when you're going out, trying to get out past the break um, and that sort of thing. Um, so, But it is a skill. I've... Do you, should we just Google David Hasselhoff? Yeah. 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 Just uh, Google the Hoff dolphin dives <laughs> and you'll, you'll get a, just a rundown on how to do it. Uh, I actually have, I've had a couple of really bad dolphin dives in races and, uh, like contacted the bottom of the, basically contacted the bottom of the, uh, ocean sandpaper on your nose. Yeah. It was bad. It was, yeah, I wouldn't, I didn't practice it quite that much, but it looked really cool. Pros do it. So Mm -hmm. you went for it. I went for it. You went all in. (laughs) And I got, yeah. You did more swan dive than dolphin dive, huh? Absolutely. Um, and then this this kind of, this last little skill that will is um, is just uh, it goes for every every sport. It's pacing. Oh. Pacing is a skill. Uh, we got people that like you know you get somebody early on that's done long course. You tell them to go pace a mile, and they have no idea how to pace a mile. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's just a skill. You have to do it. You have to to get the feel for it, um, and then you know, you just have to work on it. It's like, we, we throw it into the, the category of effort regulation because not like pacing. You think of everyone wants to say like, well, I'm holding, I'm holding eight minute miles for this long and whatnot. <clears throat> but it, but it also has to do with your putting out more and less effort when the course is harder or easier. Yep. Um, so learning <clears throat> basically, you know, our elevator speech is, push the course harder when it's harder take the recovery when it's easier yep uh you know that's how you gain the most time Uh, like if you look at a pro look at like the pro time trials and stuff like that or even you know even in the um like the pro like uh some of the the more recent pro triathlon races uh these these guys are in a headwind oh they're just drilling themselves and they're they're not going that fast compared to what they did in the tail but their power and everything is just so much higher. They're drilling it because that's when they're going to gain the most time when, mm-hmm. when it's, uh, it's the hardest. And, you know, a lot of people get mentally defeated mm-hmm. uh, because they're not moving as fast. That's when you push. That's when, that's when you're going to gain the most time. So yep. pacing, effort regulation, huge skill. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have one come in. Uh, our buddy Liddell says that you only pee on yourself in long course races. I say, nay, you got to go. You got to go. <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm assuming Liddell's saying on the bike and not I mean, I guess like you, in the water when you're getting ready to start. Hey, the swim is all... That's fair game. That's fair game. When you're in water, yeah. whether you have a wetsuit on or not, mm-hmm. I mean, this is a, maybe an offshoot, but if you ever see somebody that's kind of walked away from everyone else and they're just standing there gazing at the sun... Loners. Yeah, he's peeing. They're peeing on themselves. <laughs> like, Yeah. All right, so we'll jump into running here. We've covered 
kind of a lot of this same stuff. Yeah, but there are a few. Over. There, there are, there are a few uh, things that carry over. Again, some of this we're trying, we're trying to stay in, we're trying to stay out of like the realm of technique, yep. because technique is a whole other animal. Like mm-hmm. practicing movements and stuff like that. Yes, it's a skill, um, but we're trying to stay away from technique. We're trying to think of these other more strategic based stuff yeah, right now. Not, something that's not necessarily movement efficiency as much as it is uh things that are going to affect your race that yep. you kind of have to think through and work on yep okay so um with running um there is there is a skill of running tangents and running around curves running around uh the um like the turnaround uh, markers a lot of times the races these days you're going to have turnarounds and so you're just running around a cone and so there's a lot of ways you can do it, but you can easily lo- lose a few seconds here and there at every turnaround if you don't know how to run it correctly. Um, if you're, a, you know, if you're doing a race on a track, if you can't run a curve, mm-hmm. um, and the, the the term that we uh, I used to throw around a lot of times back in the day when I was working with working more with track athletes is uh, a unilateral track basically, and so basically you're you're running on a curve, you're going to run more foot over foot with kind of an inside lean uh, because you're, you know, centrifugal force, blah, blah, blah. Um, so if you haven't learned how to run a, a curve, you're going to end up losing a lot of speed because you're going to be putting so much force on the outside leg. Uh, you're going to, you're going to basically, you know, that, not that the leg's going to blow up, but you're just going to, you're not going to be as, you're not putting force in the right direction all the time. Yep. Um, running tangents on a road course so like open road course you might get dual lanes um when you're when you're running if there's a turn cutting out the inside of that turn is a huge time savings why anybody would go and do the big arc around the edge of the turn maybe if they're like going to high five their buddy or or take that take that beer hand up yeah beer hand up or something like that but like you can cut the inside of every curve, and generally when they when they measure a uh, like a um, road course, if they're doing a certified measurement, the measuring people are gonna run, are gonna measure tangents, yep. and they're gonna cut they're off doing shortest line. Yeah, shortest line through every turn. Mm-hmm. So when when you get to the end and you complain <laughs> that the this certified road course is a tenth too long, it's not. It's not. It's not too. You long. just you ran too far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so running tangents is a huge uh, is a skill, pretty easy skill to master if you just uh, you know think about what's the shortest distance through this turn. And no, I should not be weaving back and forth through people. <laughs> so, um, in trail running, you know there there actually is a lot of skill to trail running, and we we kind of we talked about hill running in a podcast uh, mm-hmm. a while back. Um, before we had all the fancy lights and stuff like that. Um, but we talked about hill running specifically and the technique of hill running up and down. Um, but there is a lot of skill involved in running downhill efficiently. Um, and like getting over, like, like traversing like rocky sections, getting over trees and, using trees to to slow yourself down going downhill because the majority of the impact on your body happens when you're going downhill i've said that a million times people still worry about running uphill mm-hmm. it's all on the downhills 
So if you can slow your slow yourself down a little bit and and reduce the impact on the downhills, your your muscles aren't going to break down quite as fast. So there is some skill involved in like, hey, I'm going down the hill. I can grab onto this tree to slow myself down. Uh, I don't need to jump off this rock. I'm feeling pretty good. I, I don't need to parkour this rock and <laughs> hardcore parkour and baby. put a big unless there's a camera. Unless there's a camera, it's a photo op. Yeah, but there is a lot of skill into how to get down choosing lines and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, when you're trail running to, to make the race a little bit easier on yourself. Um, we, we talked about pacing and effort regulation. That's a huge one. I mean, that's just the, that's the, the skill, yeah. Yeah. The skill in, in running uh, as far as running is involved. Um, and then just like fueling in general. I think it goes for all three of the, three of the main sports. Um, if you, it, it, there's a lot of, areas of feeding, whether it's getting a feed from a feed zone, whether it's getting your food out of your pockets or out of your, I mean, look, when I started cycling, alligator arms, I could not reach in a back pocket. Mm -hmm. Like I had no mobility in my shoulders. Uh, and so I had to like stick my gels in my, around my pant leg so that I could actually have something to eat. Uh, but there's this, you know, there's this eating is a skill getting the food wrapper back in. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and then there's also kind of a skill as far as like, tr- like training your gut. I was going to, I was going to fire you know, that like, one out there. Yeah. There's, we have had people over the years like, I just can't eat. Like, well, you, you need to try and you need to work on it. And, uh, there are ways to train your, train your gut to handle more food, uh, you know, different makeups of food and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It, it does come around. It, if you don't believe us, just Google Coney Island hot dog eating competition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can train your gut. There are some, I mean, there are, uh, there are a lot of people out there in the um, ultra endurance world who eat some cr- crazy, not just crazy stuff when they run, but amounts, yeah. like amounts of food that you wouldn't think you would be tolerable or digest uh, or yeah no. and it's not that they could do it like right away they had to work on it they had to train their body mm-hmm. you know like and then you'll just you also you also learn that there are certain things that you can't eat like when you're at different yeah. intensity levels uh so like there is a skill involved in the trial and error of figuring out what you can eat how much you can eat like in the realm of what you need as well. Yep. Um, when to eat it. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, it's fueling. It's, it's the fourth sport, but Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a massive skill. What did we miss? Anything? We missed anything? I mean, we thought we got most of it, but, uh, yeah. What did we miss? If there's something we missed, you can shoot it to us. Post it up. Coach or couch. Coach or couch. At Build Peak Compete. Yeah, or post up in the comments if you're watching on the Book of Faces. Our uh, our coach Casey. Oh yeah. Yeah, our our dietitian uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. threw in a comment just now about uh, actually chewing and breathing hard at the same time. Mm, I can't do that. Yeah, it's you gotta, gotta work on it. Uh, yeah, got a, got a bad nostril over here. So like yeah, so ch- like ch- like chewing and like one part of that is learning when not to put the food in your mouth. Yes. Like, but like, I'm about to go up a hill. Yeah. <laughs> Chewing and breathing hard is a skill. And it goes, it goes along the same line as like being able to drink 
and then like get your breath back. Yeah. So like, I mean, I always tell people take bigger gulps of, of fluid. You got to train yourself to do it. It's a skill, bigger gulps of fluid and then take a big exhale afterwards because that help that helps start the process of getting a big inhale and kind of like uh, buffers against that maybe like one second where you weren't breathing at all because you were actually trying to take a drink. Uh, but it is, it's a skill. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's some, yeah. And, and if possible, it's easier for cycling really, you know, where decrease your intensity, take advantage of decreases in intensity to use that as a time for feeling when your heart rate's lower, your breathing rate's lower. Yeah. And I, I do think there are a lot of people that don't ever work on these skills because they're afraid to be bad at them. Mm. Like, transitions and all that stuff you can practice this stuff on your own time yeah you know we didn't even get into bike handling in general yeah uh you know you could oh yeah everyone wants to be that person doing the one-arm wheelie up the up the climb but (laughs) you probably want to you know you got to practice it Mm -hmm. you know you could do all this stuff on your own um obviously some of this stuff can easily be worked with a trained eye Mm -hmm. uh have a coach help you uh watch you help you work on this stuff but it takes time. It takes practice. Yep. I mean, nobody ever got uh, to the elite levels of curling without picking up a broom. Without being really strong with a broom. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I think that's all we got today. Last thing. If you have oh. to- any topics for future podcasts, we'll bring more podcasts to you uh, if you give us topics. Yeah, it is a lot of work. It's a lot of work to lot like of work come up with up. these ideas. Mm-hmm. A lot of brain strain. Yeah. So if you got topics, shoot them to us. Coach or couch or message us on Facebook, whatever. Pretty easy to find. Yeah. All right. Appreciate everyone hanging out, listening, watching. We'll catch you guys next time. Adios.